0: i once i once uh, walked into a horse in the dark in norway can be very dark in a fall i was running for somebody and i run into a horse i didn't know what it was (laughs) i was very scared of the dark when i was a kid
1: really oh
0: you were very scared of the dark
1: From The Believer Magazine, you're listening to Constellation Prize. Night Walking, Part 1.
0: My mother said, when I was very little, when it was raining, it was the angels who were crying. You believe that, I mean, you know. So the, the kids believe anything.
1: What other things did you believe when you were a kid? I don't know, I believe that. When I trace back my family tree, looking for the moment my family left religion, I land on my grandfather.
0: When we started out, we couldn't hardly afford a radio.
1: He was around my age, when he gave the God thing some thought, and concluded it was all a sham.
0: When I was young, I was religious. I didn't know any better. You know, you'd never think, but when you get older, you recognize that this is really fiction. Religion hangs on because you indoctrinate children, and so they have no judgment on themselves. And so this is a sad thing.
1: I recorded this conversation in 2013, and now I'm listening back, 10 years older, piecing together my grandfather's beliefs. I think the way he saw things. I was privileged to have skipped religion altogether.
0: In Norway, this generation here is called the cream generation. The one you're a part of, because they've gotten everything handed to them. I think they get spoiled and they don't really understand what life is all about many times.
1: I agreed with this. I definitely do not understand what life is really about. And the little I do know has been shaped by my grandfather's beliefs, which revolve around science and logic. In one sentence, he summarized his views this way.
0: Life is really a a series of random events. So that's it.
1: This philosophy really worked for him. He so thoroughly accepted that the universe was out of his control, that he was famous in my family, for never experiencing anxiety. So you never worry?
0: No, because it's, uh, it's no point doing that.
1: Wait. This is the song that I hear Matt play every day, multiple times a day during the quarantine. Mm-hmm. About 60 years after my grandfather stopped believing in God, I was living with my roommate Matt in Brooklyn during the pandemic. We've watched four movies, four nights in a row.
2: <laughs> Haven't loved any of them. I liked capturing the Freemans quite a bit.
1: Oh, yeah, that was good. This was March 21st, 2020. All plans were canceled, and the nights were empty now. It's an endless loop. In the midst of a crisis, we were simultaneously terrified and very bored. Are we going back in? Let's go. We'll go walk a little more. On this particular night, Matt and I went on a walk after work.
2: Maybe we should go to church tomorrow.
1: (laughs) We were so desperate for something new that we decided to let a coin lead us. Okay, so we're getting to the corner. We're going to flip the coin. You want to do it? Sure. And if it's heads, we go right. And if it's tails, we go left. This coin flip reminded me of my grandfather's words, that life was a series of random events. My whole life, I had accepted this idea. But while it brought my grandfather comfort, it filled me with despair. Now, more than ever, I wanted to believe that something more was out there.
2: Oh, okay. God. It's difficult with a pain.
1: Tails left.
2: All right, back home. Back home?
1: As we walked home, I made a wish that it wasn't just us flipping the coin to tails. That some larger force was guiding it there. (laughs) A few months later, looking for a change, we decided to sublet our apartment. And we rented a cheap house in Vermont. Soon after we arrived, there was a rainstorm, and I sat down by the window to smell the air. I felt melancholy, and may have even leaned against the window for dramatic effect. I wasn't in a serious depression, just bewildered by the emptiness of life when stripped of the usual distractions. I was also single, and not having a partner, a close witness to my life, was amplifying my feelings of uncertainty and meaninglessness. Questions looped endlessly in my mind.
3: What does it mean what
1: is it for? What is it for? These existential worries had always been present, but they were intensified by the pandemic. I wondered if I would ever be able to believe in something. Not an anthropomorphic God, not any denominational religion but a greater, motivating, overarching philosophy that would help me feel less lonely. So sitting by that rainy window in Vermont, I did something very unlike me. I said a prayer that someone would appear who could show me the way forward. And then, in spite of myself, I started fantasizing that my prayer was heard. I imagined a council of spirits floating above me. 12 guardian angels who were there from my birth and would be with me until death. They saw my first relationship. I love you more than all the other people. And our love is better than everyone else's love. And our first fight. What is your fucking problem? They sat through all my therapy sessions. I have these deep shame spirals that just swirl and Every day, on every decision I had to make, my council gathered around to take a vote. That's seven votes for studying abroad and she should not live in Williamsburg. Sourdough bread is not worth her time. She's been networking with other spirits on Hinge. Today, we're discussing if she should text back. Meeting adjourned. And now, a new challenge. A couple of my guardian angels had been listening to my phone calls with my friend Carson, which were increasingly about the void. Yeah, like I really, I do admire people that like handle
0: the void, who like confront the void. Mm-hmm.
1: Other members hovered over as I read Tolstoy's diaries, highlighting quotes like,
0: "I am nothing more than a casual cohesion of particles, accidentally united, and slowly, slowly fermenting,
1: fermenting." So, just a few days after I arrived in Vermont. Hello, council, gather round. They called an emergency meeting on the state of my soul. Today we'll be voting on whether she needs a boyfriend or a spiritual mentor. After much discussion and a vote, it was decided that three members of my soul would take a business trip to find a spiritual guide for me." They began traveling all over the state of Vermont, flying like a group of bees, pollinating flowers, seeing whose councils were open for visits. They flew over New York, Ohio, and Kansas, and as they passed the deserts of Utah, their signals grew stronger. Beneath them was a little town called Castle Valley, surrounded by pillars of glowing red rock. They descended onto the roof of a house in the middle of the valley, and were met by the council of a poet named Terry Tempest Williams. The two councils made introductions, and then discussed their goals, benchmarks, and deliverables. When the meeting was finished and the contracts were signed, my counsel set back toward home, feeling confident they had found someone to guide me. The next day, I was sitting in my living room, checking in with my boss over Slack, when I saw an email from a publicist asking if I would have a writer on this podcast Terry Tempest Williams. I recognized the name immediately. I knew her work, both as a writer and an activist, and I admired it. So I waited a cool three hours, and then I wrote back. We set a date for a phone call between me and Terry for a week in the future.
4: She refuses to live in stunned submission to the times at hand.
1: And I spent a lot of that week Googling her.
4: Here she is, Terry Tempest Williams.
1: And immediately, I felt like she lived the kind of life I dreamed about. We
3: wanted a rival to be instant because we didn't want to be separate from what we loved.
1: In photos, she had piercing blue eyes, a shock of white hair, and was often standing in front of the desert rocks of Utah, elegantly draped in cashmere. She was also an ex-Mormon who, unlike my grandfather, didn't abandon her spirituality when she abandoned her religion. Instead, she had built her own system
3: of belief. Finding beauty in a broken world is creating beauty in the world we find.
1: I was hopeful that she would clarify the ambiguity in my life around my God problem. The fact that she wanted to work with me felt miraculous. Hello. Hi, is this Terry? This is Bianca. Hi, Bianca. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thank you. My heart was beating fast, and I was very nervous. The first thing Terry told me was that she was embarrassed by her publicist. You know, I think
5: there was a miscommunication...
1: ...for suggesting so openly that I have Terry on my show.
5: I'm just, like, I can't quite get over the humiliation of calling you who are the... I mean, just so creative in your own realm and saying, I want to be in your podcast. I'm just horrified by this.
1: This is one of those strange radio moments where I can go back and hear the uncomfortable sounds I make while I'm being complimented. Apparently, I sound like this. Oh, <laughs> oh. Just a few minutes into our call, I noticed she was speaking in these full poetic sentences. You know, I think in this planetary pause
5: where... We've all been brought
1: home to our knees, and I was amazed, taken aback, and keeping up the best I could.
5: Well, I've been watching the stars and the comet,
1: mm-hmm.
5: and then I've been watching the night shine of animals' eyes. Do you know about
1: that? mm mm-hmm. uh, No, I mean just you mean you can you see their eyes glowing at night, and then you look through binoculars. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And she told me that during the pandemic, she had become obsessed with walking at night. Because it's been so hot here,
5: like 108, 106, 105, um, we've all become nocturnal. Mm. I love the, the wanderings of night, that um, in the daytime, it's all too literal. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's all this, this paradox. On one hand, you know, I'm walking with beauty. On the other hand, I'm walking with terror. And how do you bring these two hands together in prayer and when I walk at night, all of that is neutralized and it feels normal to me. Mm. And the world feels safe, which is sort of another paradox. But
1: um, they're used to- She explained that night walking had been the antidote to the fear and uncertainty she was feeling in the year 2020 between the pandemic, the upcoming election, and the wildfires that were creeping closer and closer to where she lived.
5: And, I mean, this That whole notion of darkness and movement in darkness, which feels to me like where we are. It also feels like it's about a reimagination of what God is. Mm -hmm. I mean, last night, I have never seen the stars like that. The Milky Way was so dramatic, and I just didn't realize how active the night really is, and especially in the desert. But my imagination, you know, the one
1: of the night. We spoke for a little over 30 minutes, and by the end, we agreed we would do a project about night walking. To get the specifics of what this would be like, she told me she was going to consult her morning mind. Before I go to sleep, I just ask a question, and I really trust what comes in the morning, that first glimpse.
5: So-
1: in one of her books, She writes about this concept of morning mind, quote, I am growing more comfortable with waiting, watching, being patient and impatient, until, in the middle of the night, when most people are asleep, the hours when owls fly, I make my move. What I once believed to be madness, I have come to see as night vision. What every animal knows as it remains vigilant in darkness— moving freely in the shadows. I will find my way into new country that beckons me to take unexpected risks, which turn out not to be risks at all, but the next steps. And then, at the end, she writes, morning mind is the gift that comes after dreaming.
5: So let's both think and see if something
1: else comes up too. I'm totally into that. Yeah, we'll see where it Leaves us. Okay, take special care. Take care. Bye. Bye bye. The next morning, she sent me an audio message saying she had woken up knowing our assignment. She said every night we would go on a night walk in our separate locations, her in Utah, me in Vermont, for around an hour. We would walk in complete darkness without a flashlight. Then we would write about our experiences in a letter, record ourselves reading it out loud, and send it to the other person. We would do this every night from the new moon, where there's no moon in the sky, to the full moon. The whole process would take about two weeks. And then, at some point after listening to her audio message about our assignment, I accidentally deleted the audio. As a radio producer, this caused me physical pain. I was so mad at myself. At one point, I even bit my own hand. So I tried to get her to find it again on her phone, and I was emailing and describing how to look for deleted audio, and her email response to this was, Dearest Bianca, it belonged to that dreamy moment of first awakening, the terrain of morning mind. Yours truly, in the ephemeral, Terry." And I was like, okay. My learning has begun. It's midnight, and I'm walking by my neighbor's house, where I know there are bears. A week before the project was set to begin, I went out on a test walk. By myself. And I know there's all sorts of animals. Coyotes. Above me was a waning half-moon, rising at 2 p.m. and setting around midnight. Our house was on a small dirt road, elevated on a ridgeline. Above me were silhouettes of trees reaching over my head, and I felt like an illustration in a children's book. The road was so dark my senses became fully alert, and my eyes strained to see in the distance. I noted that as soon as I left the area of our house's Wi-Fi, I didn't have any cell phone reception. Soon, my mind started playing tricks on me.
4: When one walks on one's own at night, one does almost hallucinate at times. The borders between what's real and what's unreal become very frayed and blurred in that slightly dreamlike, phantasmagoric atmosphere of night walking.
1: The sky is black, but the trees are more black. So I guess the sky isn't really black. It must be like gray. My God, the moon. I imagined that I was not alone, that there were ghosts walking with me, I pictured nightwalkers in medieval Europe many centuries ago, where walking at night was a culture and a way of life. These nightwalkers were so afraid of the devil at night that they recited night spells, carried amulets, and turned their pockets inside out to ward
0: off the dark spirits. Both in cities and in the countryside, God was not an abstract being but a very real entity uh, whose uh, angels at night provided at least a degree of safety against the Prince of Darkness and his minions.
1: Then I imagine the persecuted, saints, monks, heretics, forced to pray by darkness, and who carved out a moment of the night to quietly practice their own beliefs.
4: It's St. John of the Cross with whom we associate the phrase, the dark night of the soul. He had to practice his spirituality in secret because he was liable to persecution. So the night gets privileged as a site of peculiar intimacy with God and with, with the divine.
1: I was hoping that I would immediately feel a bit of holiness in the darkness. But on this road, moving forward felt like going against all of my instincts. As I kept walking, I could barely make out my feet beneath me. And with each step, I had a feeling of falling, which was both frightening and intoxicating. After about a hundred yards, I stopped and just stood there, too afraid of the dark to go on. Finally, I gave in, turned back, and walked briskly home, back into the comforting circle of Wi-Fi, feeling humbled by darkness. All right.
5: Ooh,
4: good stars.
1: Really good stars. It's night one of the project with Terry. It's the new moon. I'm out with my roommate Matt.
2: Hey.
1: <laughs> Day one, August 18th, 2020. The new moon. It's 0% full. You can see stars almost to the horizon.
3: Yeah, those look like very
1: kind like, of So, on the first night of the official walk with Terry, I still felt too afraid
2: to go alone. What are we supposed to be doing exactly?
1: I don't really know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> was there like a prompt?
1: The prompt was go on night walk, write <laughs> each other a letter.
2: About the experience.
1: Every night between the new moon and the full
2: moon. I feel like I need more structure for, for the walk itself.
1: She said to look through the binoculars at night. <laughs> but I don't know.
2: We came out of the driveway and went right down the, the dirt road where it's more open. And there's, like, a few houses and a couple, like, trees that line the road. And it was so, so dark. It was nice to be without without really any light, barely any light. And to be looking at, like, the silhouettes and the shapes of the trees.
1: Wow, the stars in the background of that, the silhouette of that house is stunning. Do you find that beautiful?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: With no lights on it. The sun didn't set until 9 p.m., so our walk happened around 10. When I got home to write my letter, it was very late, and I felt extremely intimidated. Dear Terry, it was cold tonight, 58 degrees. I went walking with my roommate Matt. We had just had a fight about how much butter to use while cooking. We found a mailbox with no house attached and made some sounds with it. We wondered if you were walking with someone or alone. And we talked about when you were our age and you had been married for, I think, about nine years. We wondered about your marriage at that point and what it was like. We saw a woman in the window washing her dishes. We walked for about 34 minutes. We would love any further instructions on how to walk, where to walk, what to look for, if you have any and are comfortable giving them. Sincerely, Bianca.
3: Dearest Bianca, I loved receiving your letter, and I love hearing that you were walking with your roommate, Matt. Walking tonight, dear Bianca, is walking with you and Matt. It's amazing how travel and being together is now in the mind. Imagination is my greatest companion. I have never known the reach of my solitude. The cacophony of crickets and all manner of insects is rich tonight. And it's hard to see where the dirt road is without moonlight. As long as I can hear the crunching of gravel beneath my feet, I am on the right path. When it gets soft and quiet, I am on red sand, with beds of prickly pear hard to miss and I will quickly stumble into sage and rabbit brush. Today was 108 degrees. It's been over 100 degrees for weeks with fires burning all around us. This morning, we awoke to the smell of fire. At dawn, the valley was choked in smoke with the sun appearing like the tip of a burning cigarette through the gray haze. It is becoming increasingly surreal here. But at night, Temperatures cool, and all my angst is absorbed into the darkness between the stars, and I enter into the dreamlike trance of the desert. Time stops, and I keep walking, until I find I am surrounded by the eye shine of jackrabbits and deer, and in the hidden secrecy of night walking, I am finding a new form of communion. Communion. Good night, Bianca. I can't wait to hear what you saw and felt on the other side of our anything but United States. With affection,
1: Terry. When I got this letter, I was kind of stunned, and I didn't totally know what to make of it. I listened to it three times in a row.
3: The cacophony of crickets and all manner of insects is rich tonight.
2: Do
1: you remember her first letter coming
2: in? Um, I don't remember. I don't remember the letter. I don't even remember it arriving. But I have this memory of you being like, soft, you need to hear this.
3: I'm on red sand with beds of prickly pear.
2: It was a very dramatic reading of Terry's Night Walk performed with this sort of Sensibility of somebody like at a lectern on a stage in front of an audience of a couple hundred people.
1: After this letter, I kept thinking about Terry's words from our call.
5: It also feels like it's about a reimagination of what God is.
1: I had no idea how night walking and writing letters would bring us to this goal, but Terry seemed confident. And this project seemed to be about trust. So my plan was to continue forward, hoping that by trying on Terry's way of being through night walking, I would be able to gain just a little piece of her
2: godfulness. And I just thought, well, this is going to be really weird. (laughs) Because you got another, like, what, 13 days of this?
3: Happy new moon.
1: This episode of Nightwalking is supported by Pioneer Works, an artist and scientist-led nonprofit in Red Hook, Brooklyn. Pioneer Works aims to build community through the arts and sciences by offering interdisciplinary programming, residencies, education initiatives, and an online and print publication called Broadcast. Experience Pioneer Works on the second Sunday of every month for live music, food, and workshops in Red Hook. To learn more, visit PioneerWorks.org.